Welcome back to Ever Ancient, Ever New, the podcast in which we search for the hidden gems amongst the forgotten treasures of our faith. I am your host, Father Kyle Kowalsik, and I'm joined here today with a special guest, uh, Annie Grandel. And uh, Annie is the um, National Director of Why Disciple. Mm -hmm. uh, Annie and I go way back, though, um, way back to our Michigan roots. And I think we're probably friends because we carpooled a couple times back to the homeland. I had totally forgotten that we used to do that until yeah. you you brought that up. Uh, but yeah, a couple uh, Michigan expats living in in Minnesota on purpose. I like it. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, we're recording this on the first day of snow uh, of the year, which is the last day of October. <laughs> uh -huh. And the day that every Minnesotan seems to forget that they live in Minnesota. Yeah, right. Like, they're always shocked. I can't believe it snowed in October. <laughs> it almost always snows in October, people. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, and uh, you know, I like to I like to consider myself a missionary to Minnesota. I don't know mm -hmm. if you consider yourself the same. So Preach. if if things are going bad in Minnesota, I'm like, look, don't blame me. I'm a, I'm a missionary. I came to um, <laughs> to help help clean up the mess. I just know I've been I've been uh, trying to resist the accent for about two decades now. Yeah, totally. And not that Michigan has a great one. You know, we just talk <laughs> out of our noses. Uh, but I find myself slipping every once in a while and oh, no, stretching no. out my O. It's like, oh. Yeah, I, I've I've put the date on the calendar. I think it's in several more years where I, where I will have lived in Minnesota longer than I've lived in Michigan. So I I crossed that line a few years ago. Did you? Oh, mm -hmm. well. it's weird. <laughs> um, good. Well, uh, and uh, before you were uh, director of Y Disciple working at Net, uh, what's your what's your uh, past there? You, you you were in youth ministry for a long, 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 long time. Yes. Uh, it's, it's funny. We, we've talked about this before that if I was an engineer, I would say, you know, I was, I was an engineer for 12 years. That's an interesting fact. Uh, but if I say to people, yeah, I worked in a parish, I worked in the same parish in youth ministry for just shy of 12 years. People 12 are like, years. you survived. Like, it's so <laughs> funny to me. Uh, but yeah, so before I, I was with Y Disciple, um, I, I was a parish youth minister at the same parish cluster um, in Stillwater, uh, Stillwater, Minnesota, went there right out of college um, and just loved, loved ministry, loved that community, loved parish life. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that is that it, the longevity of that is, I mean, in, in a normal person years is like 50 years or something. And, uh, and I always knew, I, I knew you were there and I knew you'd been there for a long time. And I've always, I've always kind of considered you the, the, one of the local experts in youth ministry. I remember, um, you know, different conversations and different books that you've recommended to me over the years that have mm -hmm. been very helpful. And I've always appreciated your, your insights because you, you've done it, you've lived it, you've seen, I mean, 10, 12 years at one parish is, uh, almost enough time to see uh, kids of kids. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> um, yep. but certainly to see kids go through the the faith formation process, go off to high school, go off to college, you know, having gotten confirmed and then, and to kind of see like, okay, what's the, what's the fruit mm -hmm. of our ministry. And so that was, that's the, that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you on the podcast. I mean, 
one of the things I try to do on this podcast is, um, you know, ever, ever ancient, ever new, like looking, looking for the newness amidst, amidst all the oldness and, and so much of our, our things that we, converts are always discovering like this, wow, this and that, but even Catholics, as they're coming back into their faith or diving into their faith for the first time are like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't know this. And these things go yeah. way, way, way back. And, uh, youth ministry is not one of those things. <laughs> no, <laughs> no youth ministry, as we know it, um, is a fairly new concept in Christianity. Um, it, it, modern youth ministry, as we tend to conceptualize, it really dates back to the 1950s in the Protestant Protestant space. Um, right. and then, um, was adapted and adopted and morphed over many years. But 1950s in the uh in in ecclesiology <laughs> in in church history 2000 years of church history is really nothing right yeah it's like what did we do before world youth days and mm -hmm. you know faith formation wednesday nights and yep. you know youth retreats and like how did we pass on the faith to our kids did we only start doing it in in 1975 or yeah um, yeah so, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's good. And, um, you know, so I, I guess one, one question, um, and I'm all, I'm always asking myself in the, in the parish, like, is what we're doing at any level on any, any particular topic is what we're doing working. Mm -hmm. We don't often ask ourselves that question. We don't stop and ask ourselves is what we're doing working mm -hmm. now. So we just got done in our diocese with uh, our our synod. We had our local yeah. synod, and were you involved in that at all? Um, only tacitly. It was. Okay. Um, I had just had a baby when it all had started, so I was pretty pretty out of the loop. But now, um, post synod in the implementation phase, I'm trying to get involved as much as I can on the parish level. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I was. I got to be one of the priest representatives of my deanery mm -hmm. at the um, at the synod itself. And it was a series of, you know, I think we're at, throughout the day, we were at three different, three different, four different tables uh, where we're in a small group and had discussion. And, and one of the, one of the tables, and I'm, I'm with, I'm with like, no joke, you know, somebody from Pax Christi, which is notoriously one of the, you know, left leaning parishes in the, leaning might be generous, um, uh, in the in our diocese, I was with somebody. I think even somebody from Saint Agnes, which is one of the like mm -hmm. way over on the right. I was somebody from a parish that I didn't, I didn't even, I've never even heard of before. I was with this old nun, not wearing a habit, from some old dying order. And you know what we you know, like? So if we were to get in a conversation on, you know, women's ordination or extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion or which direction the priest should face during, you know, <laughs> during mass or, you know, kneeling for communion or, you know, anything else, we probably would like, you know, go to fisticuffs. But mm -hmm. the, the topic that we were discussing was faith formation. Mm. And you know what the unanimous consent of the entire table was? Yeah. What we're working, what we're doing is not working. Yep. Like every single person, like the, the, that's fascinating. Super liberal, the super, the super conservative, the super, you know, everyone in, the in middle, between. The, yeah. It's like what we're doing is not working. We are not passing on the faith to our children. Yep. 
Yep. Yeah. So what, what she, I mean, and that's, that's been my assessment as a priest. I was like, wow, everybody, everybody agrees with this. Uh, no, these are, these are the people like selected from their parishes because, mm-hmm. you know, they're a little bit more active and kind of maybe yeah. a catechist here, you know, running RCA there or whatever. Um, so they're a little bit more in the thick of it. Uh, but yeah, what's been, what's been your experience over, you know, your decades of, of working and doing youth ministry, faith formation, confirmation, yeah, I mean it's it, that that's such an interesting story because how often are you going to find that kind of cross section right. of people in the church um and to be able to say that thing and and you know what's the old adage that the definition of insan of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result right. um which is the definition of confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I that, that's that's how we manage the faith formation of our students through our programs. Um, we do the exact same thing. We may tweak it. We may make some cosmetic changes with a different curriculum, but it's yeah. having the exact same result year after year. Um, and and for me, what what you just described um, is is very personal. Um, because you said, you know, I'd been at a parish for a long time. I was there long enough to see students that we had invested in that had gone to every event that we had run, every retreats. They were on our leadership team. They spent years saving up to going to World Youth Day. Um, and I watched them all go and never come back to the faith. Mm. Um, oh. and devastating. Yes. Yeah. Um, and And they had all the right we, they had done all the right things. Right. Um, but, um, for me, it it was around 2013, 2014. So it's, it's been a minute. Um, but, and this was before like all of the springtide research, all of the, um, Pew research, um, Mm -hmm. Kara studies, all, all of the data that is coming out about, uh, religion and young people. So it was all something that most of us who worked in ministry knew in our guts. We had this inkling of what you said, what we're doing isn't working, but we didn't have anything we could grab onto. We didn't have the data yet. Um, And I remember one night uh, being at my youth group and I had, I had this amazing group of young people. Uh, we had a full youth room every week. They were super invested. I had the world's best core team of adults and young adult volunteers who were so faithful, um, both in their in their relationship with the Lord and also just showing up for these kids week after week, many of them year after year. Um, and I was in kind of a sweet spot as a youth minister. Anyone who works in who's worked in ministry knows that like you're doing great. Like, and by doing great, I mean you're flying under the radar when your pastor's not asking any questions, when your DRE is not asking any questions, and when your business administrator isn't asking any questions. And I was I was in that spot. Like everyone just assumed everything was fine because if you showed it showed up into our youth room on a Sunday night, it looked not just fine, but it looked great. I, I went I went one time. I remember I don't remember what for. I don't remember sure. if you asked me to yeah. do something at it or if I was I, I but I remember being there and yeah, it was we were in a I remember a big room and uh-huh. maybe a hundred kids. Yeah. And yep. and Stillwater's not it's not a huge parish. I mean, no. there, it's a it's a larger. I mean, there's two priests there, but it's not yep. it's not St. Michael's and St. Michael. It's not right. a Tiffany and Coon Rapids. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember it packed, packed to yep. the rafters. Yeah. And I remember being at one of those nights and watching all of the trappings of our youth group happening. 
and sitting there and having two simultaneous but competing thoughts. Mm. The first was, thank you, Lord. This is beautiful. Um, thank you for letting me be a part of this work and for these amazing people who are involved in this ministry. And I hope nobody does the math mm. because I had, and it looked good. It looks really good, but I had done the math and the number of young people who were showing up to our ministry on Sunday nights represented less than 20% of the students in our parish. Wow. And if we are missionaries, if we are evangelists, we need to be hungrier than that. Yeah. We can't just say 18% pretty good. Like in business, that is an unacceptable number. That's called failure. Yeah. <laughs> and these are the kids who are showing up. Right. Um. And, and that's when things really started to change for me was when I said, okay, we have enough people showing up that no one's asking questions, but is it bearing fruit? You use that word fruitfulness in the beginning. Um, and it took a lot of soul searching um, and a lot of not wanted humility <laughs> to say no, because I knew what was happening when they left. I knew exactly what was happening. Um, and, and we could, I couldn't just sit by and be passive and say, eh, good enough. Um, right, right. nobody's asking questions anymore. So, yeah, it's like, yeah. we've, we've entertained them for a few years and mm -hmm. maybe even given them, you know, something to do on Wednesday or Sunday nights and, yep. um, given them, uh, you know, at least they have a couple other Catholic friends in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but, and, and that's my, that's my experience too. Um, we didn't have a vibrant youth program when I was a kid, but I remember kids who would show up that they wouldn't, they wouldn't come to anything else. Mm -hmm. And, and I look back now and I don't think any of them are are practicing. Mm -hmm. Well, and uh, on the flip side, it was only the kids who were quote unquote, the youth group type. Um, I had a ton of students that I knew I had some sort of relationship with um, who never would have shown up, who would never have darkened the door of our youth group, but were like sincerely wanting to grow in their faith. That just wasn't their vibe. Um, so we'd created this monolithic thing that a type was interested in coming to. Now we had created a thing that uh, the type was quite broad, but I even had students who wanted to grow in the faith who had no desire to come to our ministry stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like too many people are like, I don't want to go and mm -hmm. play games. Or I got homework yeah. to do or, you know, yep. it just wasn't um, meeting their needs. Yeah. Now you, you mentioned the, the data and mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's great data out there. Christian Smith, I think you turned me on to him a, a number yes. of years back um, that they've, they've, they've studied this stuff, you know, and they've studied um, they've studied like when, when a, a kid graduates high school, is he still practicing the faith 10 years from now? Mm -hmm. And what are the factors in his uh, his or her life that make it so he he can does continue because um I mean you and I've both heard we've probably all heard this where I remember hearing like you know if you have a kid till they're 10 you know don't worry too much parents if they you know if they fall away from the faith they'll come back you know nope. and that's not true mm -mm. right I mean we're not we're not seeing that are you seeing that no, no I'm not, nobody I'm not seeing is. people coming back to the mm -mm. to the faith like I think that that was uh, predicated on a real lived Catholicism. Like mm -hmm. there, there is a cultural realness mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, it, it, if, if you're going to mass every Sunday and you're doing Lent and you're fasting on Fridays and you're, um, you know, celebrating saint days and, you know, there's like, these things are a fabric of your life. That's hard to walk away from all of that because you're like, mm -hmm. oh, there's, 
like everything's missing. But mm-hmm. if I only go to mass, you know, a couple times a month, a couple times a year, like, well, what am I, what am I returning to? There's, there's yeah. nothing I'm returning to. Yep. Yeah. So, so what are some of the, the data points that, um, yeah, just kind of, uh, interesting. Yeah. I, I love data. Um, I, it, you got to always be, I, I always say I've got to be careful about data because it, it's easy to turn it into a formula, right. Or sure. reduce people or reduce highly complicated situations, which are people. Um, and that's, that's not fair. Right. Um, but I like data because it helps me understand what's real. I like to think of it as neutral, like, oh, this data is horrible. No, it's just, it's it's giving me an insight to reality so that I can better function in it, um, especially when it comes to the world of evangelization, right? I, I need to understand the landscape. Um, oh, okay, quick side note. So one time my son, his name's Cyril. Um, Cyril, only yes. Cyril I know. I know. And somebody recently told him that they were thinking of naming their baby Cyril. Uh, and he goes, oh, good. There needs to be more alive Cyrils. All the Cyrils I know are dead. <laughs> He's a great, oh man, that kid cracks He's me. a funny kid. But one day he was probably like early five out of nowhere. He goes, hey, mom, who's data? <laughs> and I said, what? He said, who's data? I always hear you say you love data. I'm like what? Oh no. It's like, no kid. I'm sorry. I, it's like, it's a work thing. It's like numbers and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and he interrupts me and goes, mom, you told us that we are supposed to, uh, we love people and not things. And I'm like, ah, who's your parent? <laughs> <laughs> but yes. I love data. Apparently That's so much. Awesome. My kids hear me say it all the time. Um, but I think a couple of of the compelling pieces out there, um, and one it's it's been since what was it 2019 2018 um, that the Kara study on uh, going going gone um, mm-hmm. came out and um, really breaks open this this whole thing that you're talking about that they leave and they don't come back. Um, but one of the interesting things is that they found in there is the median age at which a person disaffiliates from the church, not maybe physically leaves, but they disaffiliate from the church is 13. 13. I know. Oh man. So they may and, keep going. And we're not confirming them in most parishes till 15. Mm-hmm. And they're gone. Yeah. Like they're, they're mentally gone at that point. Um, but on the, on the flip side of that, like when we look at the, the young, we can list off data all day of this is how many people are leaving. Like, the last study I saw, we're losing people at a six to one ratio for every RCII candidate we have come through six and a half people leave. That's, that's abysmal. All Christian yeah. churches are in that space. It's not just the Catholics, but right, right. still not great. And and that's, I think that's helpful to know. I mean, sometimes it's like, oh, well, you know, the evangelical church down the road that has all the peppy music, they have kids all over them. Like, no, they, the same, same thing. They have, mm-hmm. they have them that night. They don't have their hearts. Yep. That's it. And uh, I have, um, I, I love working with Protestant ministry folks, A, because they're just really good at the relational side of things. Um, and B, they've got just great insight. Um, mm. But there's a, a, I have a Protestant friend uh, named Jordan, um, who he, he's, he says that um, he's convinced that the next revival coming in the Christian church is going to come from Catholics, <laughs> mm. uh, because um, we know what it's like to hit bottom. 
Um, and, and, and like he said that we've done in, it a number like, of times over yeah. the centuries he's like you guys he's like we think we're okay but we're we're not yeah. you guys have hit that and that's where the growth is going to come from yeah. um we're going to pretend that things are okay for a little bit longer um which i think is just a, an interesting way to perceive that um but anyway so we're losing people we know that but what i find interesting is that the flip side of it is um, understanding when people stay. Mm, um, right. And again, we never want to look at, at data and studies and all of those things um, for when people stay and say, okay, this is the formula. If I do this and I do this and I do this, then my kid will stay Catholic. Mm, That's mm. not true. And that actually puts an undue burden on parents. Um, because then when, th when they do the things, when they've checked the boxes and their kid still leaves, they think it's their fault. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but often what the studies bear out is not like, if you do this thing, then your kid will stay Catholic. Um, it's more in the negative, um, that, um, if you don't do these things, then you can pretty much guarantee your kid is out. Sure. Um, right that the religious practice and the religious, the, the importance parents put on religion, this comes from Christian Smith out of the University of Notre Dame. Um, those are the kids who are more likely to stay. Um, they, uh, young people meet um, approximately the religious practice of their parents. If their parents yep. aren't doing anything, then they're going to meet that. Right. Um, now, again, it doesn't mean like, oh, I took my kid to every Holy Day mass and they still left. Like lots of factors, people are complicated. Right. Um, right. But if you want them to stay, the more you practice, the more they're going to see, and it's going to be more in their bones. Um, uh, the other piece is from Fuller Youth Institute, a Protestant organization um, out in California. Um, they did a study called Sticky Faith, um, and they hmm. studied young adults who maintained faith practice after leaving their family of origin. And said, okay, what made things stick for them? Um, so, so they looked at a really specific population and said, what were some of the common factors? Really interesting thing out of that one uh, is that the, the young people, the young adults who stayed, almost all of them, it was something like 99.999%, um, <laughs> which is an absurd number in statistics. Right, yeah. Almost all of them could name five or more adults that had invested in their faith mm. when they were growing up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with safe environment, we talk about like a one to eight ratio. Right. We need to flip that over. Yeah. We, actually, <laughs> we need five adults in our young people's lives. Yeah. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's so many, uh, so, some of the stats that um, Christian Smith came out with it or, you know, found that I, I found uh, intriguing. I mean, the, the main one that I just keep comes is it just keeps coming back to to parents role. Mm -hmm. We keep wanting the, the church to do something, the church to do something, the church to do something like, well, I mean, for, for most of the history of the church, you didn't have a youth minister. Mm -mm. You didn't have faith formation. St. Mm -hmm. Therese didn't go to youth group. Mm -hmm. You know, like yep. she had a vibrant family life that lived, lived mm -hmm. the faith out there. Uh, but so like parents, that that role. And I've, I've talked to I was talking to this woman in my parish um, 
you know, and every, by the way, every time I bring this topic up and I've preached on it, you know, that faith formation, the way we typically do it hasn't been working every mm-hmm. time, you know, especially the, the older folks still come up to me and they're like, you're right, father, all my kids have left the faith mm-hmm. or yeah, I was a catechist and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know mm-hmm. anything. <laughs> yeah. So, so parents sometimes like, well, I can't raise my kid in the faith. I don't know it. I'm not a teacher. I'm like, well, you know, who was teaching them the faith? other parents who didn't know anything, <laughs> you know, but this, this one yeah. parent told me, this one um, mom, grandma, she told me that uh, when she was growing up, her parents were told by the church, oh, no, 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 you don't do that. We do that. You leave that to the priests and the nuns. And so this would have been in the the 50s and 60s. And that was those great time, great time, because right <laughs> after Vatican Council, you know what they all did? left they all yeah they all left i mean like mm-hmm. droves and droves of nuns and priests in unprecedented numbers wasn't it forty thousand? that's Something the number that's sticking in my head crazy crazy mm-hmm. amount so it's like oh all the people who were teaching me the faith and had the habits and the the, mm-hmm. the, the names and it's like the titles they're all gone they all left yeah <laughs> yep. um so um yeah, so I think there was a time when that was kind of the, the emphasis, and mm-hmm. and now one of the things we're starting to see, and the church is always taught, by the way, is parents, you're the primary educators of your children yep. in the faith. Yep. And um, okay, I think we've been, I think we've like we've hit. <laughs> I don't want to beat a dead horse. We've hit like what we've been doing has not been, that's, that's, you know, that's probably the title of this podcast. What we've been doing has not been working. (laughs) Um, but let's, uh, let's pause here and we'll, we'll wrap up this podcast here and we'll, we'll start another episode. Uh, so folks don't, I don't want to leave you in too much despair. There is hope. There's hope. (laughs) We'll, we'll, We'll get to it. Um, but let's, let's wrap up here and then, uh, and then let's discuss like, okay, well, if it's, if what we have been doing hasn't been working, what, Mm -hmm does work or what should we do? Uh, what hope do we have? How's that? Mm-hmm. Great. All right. See you in a minute, everybody, or two weeks, whenever I get the next one up. <laughs>